You you opened the other podcast with a Wob Wob Wegna, so. Well, welcome to the uh, Disciples Made podcast. My name is Brian Phipps, and I am here again with the one and only Rob Wagner. The one and, and only. Brian, the just thank only. goodness it's just one and only, right? <laughs> There's only so yes. much room. It's too down much. Here. It's and too Brian much. Johnson. And we're going to debrief a conversation we had a few weeks ago about um, dying to self. Uh, we're in the series called the cease, the cease least likely <laughs> say that you, you open the fast. other podcast with a wob wob wegna. So a wob wegna. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the six least likely, but most necessary trends that we need to see in disciple making. We want to see dying to self dwarf a growing trend of this uh, entitling movement, entitling myself. So had some excellent people on the call. Mandy Smith was there, Kevin Harris, Carrie Lauder, we're back. And then uh, we had two new guests, guests, guests. You're struggling, bro. <laughs> Easy for me to say. <clears throat> Grant Skeldon and Shalom Lytic were uh, joining us. And so what we're trying oh, yeah. to do here. That's good. <clears throat> yeah. It's just uh, debrief the, the podcast, you know, go back, listen to it. What did we learn? What challenged us the most? And uh, what, if any challenges or changes do we need to make uh, in our approach based upon what we heard? So let me just toss it out to uh, one of you two guys, what, uh, what was your big takeaway? What challenged you the most? Well, I'm going to jump in since Rob got to be on the actual podcast. Um, yeah, it's good. One of the things that I want to ask you two guys as sort of spiritual fathers to me, not sort of you are in that sense. So people that have discipled me and have carried me along, given me, you know, room to learn and, uh, part of your families is like, I don't want to live my life in a place of cynicism and I don't want to live my life believing or not believing that Jesus is going to do all the things he says he's going to do. But when I think about this one, (laughs) I'm like, like one of the things I wrote down is like, but is this actually ever going to change or is this just the problem of humanity since the beginning of time and we're just going to have to learn to live with it more than expect it to change. And it's like, I'm not, Mm. I believe that Jesus is going to accelerate, you know, the kingdom on earth as in heaven. And one day there we'll see this, the fullness of the kingdom invading all things. Um, So I don't want to live that way, but I'm also just like, man, it's, it's so difficult. Like what was challenging was my own posture towards this idea that we can actually lay down entitlement or, individualization or you know can we really pick up dying to self i guess across the board gotcha rob what are you thinking well it was you really tapped on to one of the uh, meaningful but also sobering themes that came out of both the first one the first podcast which was on the fully alive But it also came out in this one, Brian, which was um, it will always be a very small percentage of a general populace that is going to choose the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be realistic about that, you know, and I I mentioned this last time, so I'm going to just be Mr. Repetitive, but (laughs) Jesus gets to the end. 
And it's not that successful from the typical metrics. It's not that many people, (laughs) you know? And um, now we know what happened over the next three centuries as it multiplied and it eventually crumbled the Roman empire because the East and the dose spread and genuine followers of Jesus changed the culture. It's like, no, we're not going to throw out babies anymore. Like they're garbage. We're going to take all of them and care for them. And then the, then the Romans are like these Christians, like look at, they're loving those children. And it somehow is working on their conscience. It's working on their souls. You know, that's just one example. You could give a hundred like that of their, like another, it's the third pandemic. And there's those Christians again, caring for the sick people. They're insane, but there's something going on in them. that's like, Hmm, maybe that is a better way. So it's almost like we have to put our head down, you know, go to the cross and realize no one gets to skip, you know, the tomb. Like we want to just jump right to the resurrection power, yeah. you know, multiplication, yeah. signs, wonders, you know, right. like we changed the whole nation. It's like, no, it actually took a lot of people being very invisible and paying a very significant price with nobody noticing for a long time to see that kind of sweeping change, you know? So yeah. Yeah, Brian, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think it, there's on one side, there could be cynicism about it. Like I'm, I'm just, just don't see it ever happening. And that's kind of an indictment. And then there's just the sobering reality, like you said, Rob. Um, and I think, you know, sobering reality is required to actually be able to gain any ground on the thing. And then it's like, why then is it so unlikely if this is Jesus talking about the road that, you know, that that's large and leads to destruction. And there's the, the path that's very narrow that few find, you know, what is the, what's the nature of that? What makes that like that? And uh, this thing goes all the way back to the garden of Eden. You know, is that fruit mine or not? You know, can I, can I eat that of that tree or not? Uh, Is this about me or is this about God and therefore others? And they made the, ultimate fatal decision of, uh, well, not ultimately fatal, but it was ultimately the significant fatal decision that they made and changed their life forever was um, I'm entitled to that fruit. And, uh, and it's kind of left us there. um, Never really satisfied with what God offered. We always kind of wanted our more. And uh, the beautiful, the crazy thing is, is just seeing this thing being able to live into the dying to self is where you find the more. That's where you find the resurrection. You find the resurrection on the other side of the tomb. So I share uh, in your, in your uh, concern, how do you use that word uh, about, you know, the, the nature of how this thing will multiply, but I also think we've, we're, we're, we're playing uphill uh, in this game. So it's a good yeah, observation. Sure. Rob, what challenged you the most? Or is that what you were? Is that what you already shared there? It is, you know, and it's it's holding this tension of, um, like the the future of the new heaven and the new earth, and all that Jesus is filling everything every way, God's glory covering, you know, hmm. the world like the waters cover the sea. Like we get we get taste of that, hmm. you know. So we should have this expectation to see breakthrough to see miracles to see 
multi-generational, completely transformational disciple making. And we do see that in the underground. Like we see these pictures every week mm-hmm. of like the new heaven and the new earth breaking through. And it's so inspiring, but we also, you know, see every week people with their head down in really tough context feeling like, man, there's not much moving right now, mm-hmm. you know, and we just have to validate both of those are part of the kingdom work. And I don't want, if I'm in the hard, slow season, I don't want to be the cynic about the breakthrough and, oh yeah, sure. Share the hope. Just added two more micro churches. Great for them. <laughs> I'm over here just hoping to have a spiritual conversation with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, that their win becomes my win, um, yeah. you know, and that I don't lose hope. And then the same thing, like when things are, you know, really going great in your micro, not losing touch with, um, not getting seduced by the success to think, hey, I, I got it going on and I'm I'm really, really good at this. And if that, if those other people are as good as me, this would probably be happening in their context. Mm. And some of that, Brian, just comes with age where I've just had, I've had, I've given my very best to things and failed colossally. And it makes you go, okay, all right. I'm not special. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, you know, like Jesus doesn't actually think I'm better than other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like he respects us all equally, you know, and actually has a preference towards the weak and the, the people, the edges of power, because they're the ones that are more available and desperate. Yeah. So I guess I'm just trying to hold those. It's like be incredibly hopeful and then also incredibly dependent and desperate and trying to stay at a place of rest. Um, Cause we do, we want to see our whole city filled. Like we want to see 21,000 microchurches in the next 40 years and 42,000 missionaries. But I have to give that over to Jesus and just put my head down to the work of obedience and equipping others to do the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the marching orders. There was uh, two parts of this thing that were uh, challenging to me. And uh, one of them, or both of them had me asking, you know, what what can we do uh, to, to really make the most out of these that disciples made? The first one was Grant when he was uh, pondering, uh, whether or not uh, Saul and Jonathan would have died in battle that day if David was still on the <laughs> on the battlefield with him, it's like Saul basically ended up taking himself out because he chose the uh, entitled uh, path instead of the you know die to self path. Like keep, keep this guy on the team. Um, and he asked, you know, how can we more how can we be more like Andrew and be more interested in making connections than trying to always be Peter? Did that uh, how Joe how how that ring with you guys? Yeah, I think I've watched uh, Corey Osborne, as a part of our team with the underground, do this so well. Or it's just like mm-hmm. his his entire posture is like I'm a connector, you know. Mm-hmm. And some people are just naturally gifted in that way, right? Um, and so I I feel like more lately Jesus has been challenging me with that. Like, not I don't I don't have the same gifts of connecting that he does. So it's like I don't, I don't meet as many people or whatever. Um, but just trying to pay attention, pay more attention to those pieces. Um, so like, I love that idea that Andrew was in that space that it was like, I want to introduce you to somebody else. Cause I think mm-hmm. you're going to love them. And I think they're going to love you. And, 
just like the way that, yeah, you know, I don't like he's, I'm trying to put all these thoughts together at one time because you just brought it back to mind. And it was, but it was anyways, like he's looking out for the best for that other person as well. It's like, what, what is going to make your life fully alive? Uh, and I just, I'm more and more loving, like how that sounds bad to say that I love that posture and I didn't before or something, but I, it's just highlighting it in a new way. Like how can I lean in more to be that person that's just going, go low, go low, go low. Mm. Which I'll come back around to that in a little bit. There's another thing that really stood out that, I think I highlighted it for you before we started recording. That was like, that's a new disciple making practice principle tool thing that just emerged from that of anyway, I'm rambling now, but that was my point was just, yes, (laughs) I loved that piece. Yeah. Rob, anything to add on that? Or should we ask Brian what his uh, big takeaway on the next practice is? Yeah. What I love is um, what Brian's underscoring it, it, it gets to what Dave's book hero maker is about. Mm, yeah. You know, where, when you get into that paradigm of my whole life, every moment is now because I'm secure in Jesus. It's like, how can I elevate everybody else's influence, everybody else's gifts? How can I keep sort of disappearing in the back and when I say disappear, I'm still back there. I'm loving, I'm praying, I'm equipping, I'm supporting. Um, but I don't, I want to be that person. It's like, I don't need to be seen. I don't need credit. I, um, you know, it's Bob Buford's phrase where he says, my fruit grows in other people's trees. Right. You know? right. Been thinking that. I think that's, that's what I think. And I feel like, you know, I'm 51. Like, that's what I want to do with my life. You know, and I, uh, and so I'm just trying to think every day through that lens when I'm doing things. That's really good. I was uh, <clears throat> really good at that at Westside. I just loved helping other people shine, giving them, you know, uh, more of an opportunity to to be uh, spiritual influencers, and uh, just with that team in place, those resources to have the team in place. That was. It was all it required was a disposition. Uh, and I find it personally challenging that I'm not doing that as well as I did there, just trying to bootstrap a, a young uh, not-for-profit, you know, because you just have to do, 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 do. And there's less chance to be that coach kind of person that helps uh, raise people up. But uh, that's the, that has been a challenge for me personally. So I've got a second one, but Brian, why don't you roll? What were you thinking as far as that uh, practice or uh, what can we do from now from here? Um, I don't know if it's, it's, I don't know if it's a, well, it is a practice, I guess. I'll just tell you what, what came out was there was one piece, I forget what moment it was, but Rob used this phrase of uh, follow Jesus in descent. And this thing like clicked because I was listening to this phrase, die to self and whatever and it's it's like man we there's we have a numbness of frequency around that phrase it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean much anymore you know it's like it's gotta die to sell it's kind of like the phrase get out of your comfort zone i I just hate that one too because it's like i I don't know i just it's just so bland now because you've heard it so many times and uh there's always a danger in that of making like you you lose the meaning so you have to make it fresh again so Anyway, 
recently I was journaling and just in some prayers for what we're building here. And I wrote, you know, the downward arrow and it reminded me of this, this guy, JD Walt, uh, that I connected with a long time ago. And he was the first one that opened my, you know, mind to that, uh, downward mobility of Philippians two, which Rob brought up in the podcast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, they say one of the first hymns of the church. Mm-hmm. So like the yes. church is singing about this downward mobility thing from the very beginning, like it's baked into the the foundation of who we are in that New Testament church. So they're extolling Jesus because of the downward mobility piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, all of these things are sort of rolling around in my head. And I began to think about the disciple making tools that we use in the underground. And so we use a series of shapes uh, much like other organizations have. And like one of them is a semicircle, which is follow Jesus and rest. And so we use this phrase, disciples of Jesus must follow Jesus and rest. And then we have a whole series of discovery Bible studies and language around what it means to work from a place of rest and Sabbathing and creating healthy rhythms. Or what, is this, what does it mean for disciples of Jesus to follow Jesus in story? We should be a story formed people and it's a diamond. And it talks about how the Bible is, has four parts and how we have a story that's formed around, right? It's like, they're, they're simple tools that a fourth and fifth grader can understand even younger. Right. And Mm -hmm. man, when you said follow Jesus in descent, I was like, that's a new one. You know, it's like not a full shape other than the shape of a V (laughs) But in my head. It's like this, that downward mobility of disciples of Jesus must follow Jesus in descent. And just that phrase was like, there it is. Okay. That unlocks some things for me. It's like, I want to go sit down with Jesus and write that one out now. Mm. Cause that one is like, we often talk about how it's important. One of ours is follow Jesus in identity, follow Jesus in obedience, you know, and each of those have some like purposeful, you walk out of this into something. And we've even found some simple order to it. Like if you don't understand first that you're a story form people and your identity flows out of that, then obedience flows out of identity, right? Like those things, it's like mm-hmm. following Jesus in descent is one of the first things that you got to teach in disciple making. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things y'all brought up was like, how do we recreate a culture? How do we hold this in the DNA? And it's like, well, talk about the early church and the foundation of what they're singing. You got to teach that disciple making tool really early on. That's not like a down the road, we'll get there one day. It's like, man, right out of story formed an identity is like mm. our identity is as a people that go low. It's interesting. Mm. <clears throat> the last time we debriefed, we talked about how big of a deal language was and helping reshape these, you know, move these trends into, into being. And one of the people on the call, I can't remember who it was, but I wrote this phrase down. Will I embrace the descent or go along with the standard of the world? <laughs> Will yeah, I embrace that, that descent? Mandy said it. It sounds Mandy-esque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, we're so enculturated that um, in this success-driven culture that it scorns failure, it scorns powerlessness. Um, and Jesus, you know, he starts the Sermon on the Mount by praising the poor in spirit. Um, but if anything, our culture has got worse. Like social media has made, it's almost like a personal pursuit of celebrity now is accessible to anybody, you know? And it's, we want to reject our own vulnerability. 
you know, seek dominance. I know I do. Um, and we, you know, I'm going to offend some people. We elect leaders who falsely promise us the same. We can make everything great again. You know, and it's like, we don't want to deal with um, the shadow side. So just even personally, like for me, like being willing to look at the American narrative and go, man, there really is a shadow side to this thing. Like I grew, I'm a very, I've been a very patriotic person my whole life. And I still like to think I am. Um, but if we're not willing to address the shadow side of our country's story, and then I think, and we have to be willing to do this at all levels. It's like, what's the shadow side of the Kansas city underground? What's the shadow side of, disciples Me. made what's the shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's my shadow side and it's like all of these gifts and talents that i have like i've spent so much time and energy just trying to build an ego build a worth you know what i mean i want influence and then but if you ask me why i want it i'll give you a good reason right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. but Stuart, it will. <laughs> yeah 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 because i want to help so many more people yeah and and the, and uh but I do feel like, you know, the last 10 years of my life or 15 years has been going into that basement with Jesus and discovering it wasn't, it is a horror show, but it doesn't end there. Like there's redemption. Um, and it's kind of this deeper paradigm shift, like in my consciousness of um, being willing to stay in there and find the true self that's hidden in Christ. You know what I mean? Um it doesn't need all those other things. Yeah. I think that's where, that's where the life comes. As you say, like, you know, back to the the tomb and then the resurrection is you're, you're choosing to die to those old ways of coping and, and dealing. And that's, that's great. And an individual level and a, a corporate level or organization level, and, and even a national level. Uh, if we all took the time uh, to do this kind of thing, wow. What kind of health will we see long-term and, well, and uh, let's go. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to add one thing to make it practical. So it's not esoteric. What I have found is two things. One is um, counterintuitive forms of engagement. Like rather than me praying extemporaneously out loud, it's like sit in a chair and be quiet with God. Mm. Don't use any words like prayer examine, centering prayer. And then the same thing. It's like, I need to expose myself to people that I usually don't want to hang out with that I don't have a natural affinity with that maybe make me feel a little uncomfortable or they're inconvenient, quote unquote, which just shows how freaking arrogant I am, <laughs> you know, and if I'm willing to stay in those kind of spaces, it starts to reveal the truth to me about myself and how loved I am by God that he kind of sends to me. And I begin to pick that up in a very minute way. Um, when I try to get outside of like what I'm comfortable or my sweet spot or whatever. So anyway, so if you're listening to this, that's a couple simple places to start. Are you trying to say get out of your comfort zone? I, I guess so. As lame as that sounds. <laughs> I was going to say, it made me think of what Mandy said that I, this is one of those ta like phrases that I want to get tattooed somewhere on like forearms just read it over and over. I'm not comfortable with my limitations but I'm getting more comfortable with the discomfort. I, so I mean, she's, 
Yeah. She's a wordsmith for sure. And it's like, oh man, that is a, uh, uh, that's a helpful just sort of lens uh, in which yeah. to see the invitation that you're offering would step into those spaces and recognize, Hey, they immediately reveal your limitations and you won't be comfortable with it. But the invitation is to get comfortable with the discomfort and go, if I'm feeling discomfort, maybe it's highlighting something. And this is a place where Jesus wants to shape me for the sake of that fully alive life. He's inviting me into live. I like it. I like it. Um, the, the other thing that was challenging to me, we'll toss this one out real quick and give it a couple of minutes. Uh, Carrie shared the story of being on top of a roof in Palestine, um, seeing the bottle rocket that was uh, made in the USA. And her friend had this sense of, I feel complicit. And somehow it turned, I didn't catch, I didn't really quite grasp the whole story. But the thing that stuck out to me is we need to steward what we have in our hand. We just need to steward what we have in our hand. And, uh, and I, I just wanted to ask the question, you know, how are we doing with that? And this goes back to the, is it self-promotion or is this kingdom building? And how do you know the difference? Because um, when it comes to Disciples Made, I think Disciples Made has been invited, been given a couple of treasures. Uh, the the uh, IDE structures, you know, the outcome focused, that language, uh, and, and in the center of that is the whole my impact equation, character times calling equals impact. And we have seen the impact that that has had on the lives of people that were discipled with this kind of focus. And, um, you know, as, as we were going through, like, what's self-aggrandizement? Is it taking our brand and our product and pushing it to market? Is it, is it, is it gross? Or have we been given this to steward and perhaps we're not being bold enough with it? Is it dying to self to get more bold about this as compared to perhaps content uh, focused uh, traditions and stuff? Or is it dying to self to be more, uh, remain kind of the way we are and uh, which has a, a level of passivity or passivity and more invitation, more than confrontation uh, regarding this conversation uh, in the mainstream. I tend to be one that just says, be faithful with what you have and, uh, you know, uh, let the adopters or yeah, come as they will, uh, et cetera, and not really pick a fight, so to speak. And I just living in this tension, like, <laughs> which one would that be? Would it be both? I mean, what do you guys think about that? Got to be faithful with what's in your hand and God put this stuff in our hand. What do we do with it? Yeah. You know, uh, this is going to sound like some kind of chummy, chummy, blow sunshine at each other podcast. Now, because I was thinking about you actually. And what I see you doing is, um, you know, with disciples made, there's been this fundamental shift and the new version of disciples made is going to focus really primarily on how do we help the ordinary person who's actually right. becoming the third or fourth generation disciple maker. Like we've really gone primarily to local churches first mm -hmm. and uh, it's a big risk to reorganize this whole organization around that group of people. But it's like, it, you're, it's something you're convinced of to your core and you're willing to bet the farm on it. Um, because you see those people the way Jesus sees them. Mm. Um, but it doesn't feel like angry or angsty. Like you have to go beat somebody up. <laughs> yeah, to punish good. them 
<laughs> for not believing in you. You know right. what I'm saying? And I, the reason I'm saying that is we just did Exponential, the regional event in Houston, and we did a four-hour uh, pre-conference. And it was really well attended. And I just felt there was the favor of God was on you during that session in a way that is as strong as I've ever seen. And the, and the session ended with, I don't know if you noticed, or people who didn't leave, like stayed at their tables and prayed. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that happen a lot at pre-conference things. Like, because yeah, we didn't true. even invite them to stay and pray. It was like, and those are all church leaders. So it's funny. It's like you've shifted your focus to serve this other group, but the Lord is still giving you favor with that group. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of like a little parable of uh that i think you're you're setting a good example of me well that's encouraging yeah that's still that when i left west side you know it's first time i hadn't been a pastor so to speak for a long long time but the it was the church leader was the person passionate about disciple making that became uh the new people that were in my church so to speak <laughs> the people that i get to care and, and love for and shepherd and so and that heart hasn't left so you're right i'm which and like any probably good pastor, you're frustrated with the sheep, but on occasion, and you're delighting in the sheep, but you love them regardless. So, uh, I think even that posture is there. Brian, what are you thinking? I was just gonna say, you know, how, how did Jesus do it? You know, like you can just yeah. line it up in that way of, you know, he was given quite a bit of. I think Rob, you mentioned this on the podcast. He spent thirty years in obscurity, right? But then, like when he's given this platform. It, it's not turned inward, right? It's not about, um, okay, how do I keep all these people in one place? Like he just keeps going back to these places sure. of, oh, well, you know, like the Ramos or whatever that word is, like the, the wilderness to pray. And he comes back and he's like, let's go to the next town. I know that all these people are waiting on me, but let's just go to the next town. You know, and I, I, read, I read this morning <laughs> in Mark, this passage of like, uh, the disciples had come back from it labeled it their ministry tour. <laughs> and so, so that was a funny phrase. And it says, you know, Jesus recognized that, you know, they were tired and they didn't even have time to eat. So mm-hmm. like, they're going so much like his, his recognition is they didn't even have time to eat. They didn't have time yeah. to share a meal together. And so he pulls away like any moment that he sees things are going to bury us or kill us like he kind of pulls away. Right. And it's funny. Cause it says they got into the boat and I'm, and then like the people recognized they were going down the, you know, well, I don't know, whatever. It's like, they recognize where they're, I just have this in my head that they like pushed out from one dock and just rolled over to the next one. Cause like Jesus says he saw them moving, you know, and it's like, they just basically go back to shore and minister them and feed the 5,000. But like he's continually finding ways to retreat when it looks like it may steal his soul. Um, and so like, even at an organizational level, it's like persons make up an organization and like when it feels like your soul is being stolen retreat, you know, and ways that like it removes your mind from Jesus and what he might be saying and how to join him and go, I, I know that you might want me to come build this thing over here, but, but I have this thing that you want me to build. Like in that he's healing everybody in this town and the disciples are like, everybody's looking for you. I know, but I came for all of these other things. So let's go over yeah. here to the next town. I, I'm just saying like, how did Jesus do it? 
he never allowed the thing he was given this kingdom of God thing to like pull everybody to, and he just kept moving it outward, leaning into new spaces and places, but always he would let those things go. If it was like taking his heart and mind and eyes off of his father and the space to be with him. So I think like you've been given something that you're stewarding in really effective ways. And in the, in the spaces where it may go, is this about me? You know, it's like another way to combat that is to surround yourself with people who you can ask that question to. Yeah. Hey, are we doing this? Are we, you know, are we, so like we're leading a cohort right now with some friends and every week we start our time together with this like little phrase, we're going to just return to Jesus. So before we get into content, before we get into anything else, we're just going to return to Jesus. And we'll worry mm-hmm. about what happens out of that space, you know? So I don't know. Those are rambling thoughts, but there you go. I thought you were going to say is do it like Jesus. Cause Jesus, you know, did everything you just said, but he also picked a pretty, uh, decent, uh, fight on occasion, uh, with yeah. the Pharisees. Well, um, I, even my belief on that though, is he didn't go find them to do that. Right. Yeah. They, they picked it with him. And yeah. Then- <laughs> like anytime that he's like, quote unquote, attacking them or criticizing them, it's because they came to him. Yeah. But he was also like an imposter to receive them because Nicodemus comes up. He's a Pharisee yeah. and he doesn't, he doesn't attack him. He's like, I'll answer your questions. Let's go, you know? And yeah. then we memorize John three sixteen now. <laughs> yeah. So I think the posture is always receive and then respond. I like that. I like that a lot. And ask questions, ask questions mm-hmm. back. <laughs> whose, whose money is this? Show me the coin. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Anything uh, before we wrap up here, fellas, what do you, anything more from this podcast we need to take consideration of? Just clever having these conversations really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, may we always uh, be people uh, here at Disciples Made, Kansas City Underground, just uh, friends with one another. And we do ask each other that question. You see anything about me that uh, Mm -hmm. isn't working? Rob, I just asked you that when we were down in Houston, sitting right there on the water, just saying, hey, just give give me an evaluation. What do you what do you what do you what do you see? What do you feel? And may we always be that. May we always uh, embrace that downward uh, mobility path. not to succeed, but just to imitate the master, because um, he did it. And uh, Philippians two ends in a pretty uh, good place. the The lamb that was slain is uh, is risen. So Amen. grateful for him and his work. So love you guys, and Amen. appreciate your time on the call. Cheers. Amen.